I want to read a couple of scriptures. Um, it's it's pretty obvious. Um, they're, they're scriptures that I'm sure you've all um, had at one time or another. But I just want to read them so that you'll be aware of where we're going with this. Um, and the first one is in Matthew's Gospel and chapter 9. And in verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Okay, then over in Mark's gospel, and verse 16 of chapter 1, it says, he was going along by the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. It's that word follow that has a hold on me. It, 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 uh, say it, it grips me. Follow me. And in both cases, in Matthew's case, he was a tax collector, which was a person, um, well, he was hated by the people, but that's not the subject right now. Um, the subject is that he was a very rich man. And sitting on the receipt of custom, he was sitting on a cash cow. And uh, for him to get up and follow. So Jesus said, follow me. And it's followed immediately. by They followed him. And then in Mark's gospel, it, it points out they were fishermen. And they seemed to have had quite a business. It was Peter was one of the fishermen. But then it seems there was James and John with their father Zebedee. Um, so they sort of owned a, a joint venture. It was a big business. And the, the three of them, uh, Peter, James, John, just dropped their nets and followed him. And so what does that mean? They followed him and, and it was a matter of Jesus saying, follow me, and they now drop everything and follow him. And what does that really mean? What does it look like today when we look at that follow me? I will say this, and it's very important. The Old Testament did not end properly until the second chapter of Acts. Uh, that might shock you. The Gospels are not really part of the New Covenant. It was an overlap. So here you've got the Old Covenant, and the finale of the Old Covenant was John the Baptist. He was the last prophet of the Old Testament, Old Covenant. And Jesus now comes, but he's not doing or finishing his work until he rises from the dead, is exalted, and sends the Holy Spirit. And so you have the Old Testament, but the New Testament, Jesus, begins in the middle of that. We call it the Gospels. 
and Jesus lived and they're living in this overlap and the follow me is occurring right here in the middle of that overlap the old testament's still there the new testament hasn't properly arrived yet and here they are and he says follow me and those who heard that call and followed him we call them disciples and in some churches today that's a big deal there are discipleship um, courses, discipleship meetings. and What on earth does it really mean? Follow me. I mean, think about it. Don't say it too quickly. Follow me. Well, the word actually means um, come be with me. Uh, it, it was almost well, a formal statement that a teacher, a rabbi, would say to his students. It was a formal way of saying, come and be my student. Come and be with me. Come and hang out with me until you know exactly what I'm saying, exactly what I'm doing, and you can say it after me. And that was the idea behind it. It, it, it would mean, come and join my adventure as I pursue my way into the knowledge of God. Join me in this. Come with me. Come with me where I am, but also come and go where I go and actually end up where I'm going. If you can swallow that lot. Um, it, it's a matter of join your life with mine. Come be with me. Put your feet in my footsteps. Follow me. And, and I think that would make sense put your feet in my footsteps that looks like following him and follow me that's a big statement it's not follow about me this isn't learning about jesus this is an actual being with him and so it's actually learning to move with what he's being and doing it's sort of getting into his mind to think with him follow me i'm not going to give you textbooks you see you're not going to learn and memorize anything you are going to actually be one with me as we walk through life and you're going to just learn who i am and that will teach you who you are. It's all about me and you. Very personal. Follow me. So it means watch me. Come hang out with me. Just watch me. See what I do. Listen to me. Open your ears and listen because not one thing I say will be what you expect me to say. Everything I say is going to blow your minds apart. So listen, listen, that's, that's follow me. Um, it, it means entwine your life with me. Um, the old English would be cleave to me. It, 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 that would, no, you, you probably wouldn't know that. You've got to be English to know that word. It, it's an old word. When, when your tongue is so dry, it sticks to the roof of your mouth. And the old English word is it cleaves. Um, and so you cleave it, you know, you, you, you can put a grape on your lips and it won't move because you're so dry. And 
um, that's cleaving. Well, he said, the ancient English, they would be cleaved to me. Come and join yourself to me. Follow me. Learn of me. And I must emphasize no textbooks. They, they didn't have to even to memorize scripture. That's what the Pharisees did. They, they memorized the entire Old Testament. That was being a follower of the Pharisees. But Jesus had no, and he, no, no formal times of prayer. Do you remember John's disciples who followed John? They, they came to Jesus and said, what was going on? You haven't taught your disciples a bunch of prayers. You haven't insisted that they have a quiet time and memorize scripture. What, what? You're just hanging out together. This is disgusting. You, if you're going to be religious, for goodness sake, be religious. And, and Jesus said, they're, they're time for that. Not right now. He says, they're having too much fun. And, and um, Jesus himself is the subject of the teaching. Jesus himself. I say again, not a textbook. You can't learn this from a textbook. It's got to come directly from Jesus himself. That's why he said, follow me. He didn't say, follow my doctrine. He said, follow me. And I think that you've, you've got to think about that. Follow me, follow this man. And he is God with us. But please understand, these men the likes of Matthew and Peter, James, John, and all the others that followed, they didn't know that he was God with us. They, they couldn't figure out who he was, but they never thought of that. But this one, please hear me, this one that says, follow me, everything I've just said, that was the crazy thing about it. He's one of us. He's so one of us that the people who he lived with for 30 years were very upset when he claimed, even began to claim that he was the Messiah. When he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, quoting Isaiah and says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in you. They wanted to stone him. They said, who do you think you are? You're just the carpenter down the street. We've lived together for 30 years. Who do you think you are? He, you realize that Jesus has got papers. He's a citizen of this planet. Um, and remember, we were talking the other week about Saul. Saul, why do you persecute? I am Jesus of Nazareth. That is, I, I, the, the high God says, I've got an address in Nazareth. He, he, he would come and follow me. He's acquainted with your life. You don't have to explain what it feels like to be human. He says, follow me. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent human. I, I know what it's like to face the temptation. I know the pressures. I know the decision. I, Jesus had to pay taxes. And, and, and he was a businessman. So I had that together. And it was taxes to the temple, which today it was called tithing, but then it was taxes to the Romans on top of that. Yeah, he's one of us. And he, I don't know how some people even preach from it because Jesus, it, it, Jesus couldn't be a pastor in many of our denominations. I mean, he went to weddings, for goodness sake, and turned water into wine. I mean, hear that, please. And you say, well, it was grape juice. Don't be daft. Look. <laughs> 
if obviously if you say that you don't know greek because the word for wine there that jesus turned water from from water into wine that word wine in greek is the same word used in genesis where it says that um noah drank wine and got drunk and, and so that's the wine and they said it was the best wine and he turned 180 gallons of water into wine not bad and of course in most churches today he would have had to turn wine into water in order to join the church um no jesus i mean he went even tax collectors wanted him to come for dinner they 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 sure weren't religious i i I want you to hear that i'm not pushing for stupidity this is someone that the religious pharisees were horrified because of the way he just hang, hangs out with society he doesn't get upset that people are doing things that are not religious he's the most irreligious of all the persons that claimed to be holy men in israel of that day and so it ended up that 12 became his most intimate disciples and that's what they did they followed him they were just around him when he walked down the street they'd be behind him beside him and and, and they were there and it was a time to question him and listen to his answers and discuss it uh, and if, if you want to feel it they walked along the sea of galilee and as they walked they talked and when they talked sometimes they sat down sometimes they would sleep up in the hills with a campfire and just hung out along the roads and when he spoke to the crowds afterward they discussed with him what he'd said this you see remember this was still part of the old testament and so this is what moses did with joshua if you remember that story or maybe you remember Elijah with Elisha, disciples. Uh, Jeremiah, one of his disciples was Daniel. And, and um, then, of course, you have the others that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they had too been in Jerusalem, in all probability part of Jeremiah's discipleship group. And um, that, that's the way it was, same category. The difference here and this is where we've got the overlap this is no moses this is no elijah this is god who has become human a human being the god who created the entire cosmos and specifically created humans to be in his image god now becomes one of us and does it so perfectly that he's a hundred percent human while remaining god but he's completely us which means he doesn't look like the god we thought he was how on earth could he do that well the only reason i could ever say what i just said how on earth could he do that is because at that point i'm addressing adam's god see when you think i'm not addressing any you in particular but when people think of god we have been taught in western christianity to think of almighty that's usually the first word that comes to mind almighty all power 
and that power looks something like a you know mega atomic explosion power and god is understood smiting people with power you know so when he walks his feet go right through the ground and he's power he's your ultimate superman leaps over towers because that's what god does you know big stuff and he's sovereign so he can do what he jolly well wants get out of his way god's arriving we tremble and god's here and he knows everything about you no just a minute that's right we get mixed up with santa claus there don't we um that's where religion took us but um now the fact is dare i say it flush that idea of god down the toilet because he's not that kind of god in fact he's shockingly not like that god god could remain god 100 percent and be the man who made toys and doors in the carpenter shop down the street and he didn't make any holes in the floor or the walls when he touched them he didn't turn cats into spiders because he got upset why because the real god is love period and therefore love can not only dwell in our humanity but our humanity was wired for that it's fascinating to me that any doctor that knows what they're talking about and certainly with the recent quantum science um sort of explosion um it is established that the very nerve endings of our body we are wired to be loved and we are wired to love and unlove self for myself has no connections inside of me and therefore if i live a self for self life my body doesn't know what to do with that if i produce anxiety because i'm not understanding that i'm loved my body can't handle anxiety and all that results in disease in the body because the body can't handle it we were created i say to be loved and to love and anything else the body doesn't know what to do with it so when god became human he could have sat in this circle and you'd never dream he was god because the mark of god is being everything humans were supposed to be divine love think about that so i might come back to it jesus the one who said follow me he's god being god inside the limitations of our humanity and it works perfectly did you hear me he was god being god inside the limitations of our humanity but it worked perfectly so he as god could know all the this this human flesh wants to throw up all the urges of flesh all the temptations that come to my humanity my flesh 
all the pressures that this humanity goes through. He, he could know all of that. But in every step he took, he refused to make the same choice as Adam made. He chose instead to keep his eyes locked into his father, to believe his father is the truth, and to listen to his father and do his father's will. But obviously, he did that as a human being. So again, I say, in our original design, we are wired to be able to live God inside of us. That's, that was the plan. He, so here's the design. You've got a human being who is indwelt with the fullness of God. And it doesn't look like sparks flying and, you know, all the... Adam's God stuff does, the show-off God, um, doesn't exist except in the demonic. And um, Jesus just is just one of us, except he is divine love. And he meets all of life as we meet it, but he answers it with love in union with his father, listens to his father does the love will so do, do you get it he's the design he he's the blueprint of what humans were always meant to be he's the prototype of a new humanity and so what does he teach these 12 guys what is follow me he was, was teaching them who they really are um, in fact the word educate you know the word educate i think it's the latin the word, we got the word, um, educate. It means to call forth. It doesn't mean to shove in. It, educate someone is to call forth from within them. It, it, it's, 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 it's to open your eyes to who you are, show you your potential. That's education. That, that's to bring it out, not to sit you down, stuff you th full of text and say, now take this exam. That's got nothing to do with education. Education is bringing it out. Well, this is the ultimate. Here is the creator who now walks among us as a human being, and he addresses our original design. And there's no better, not only did he design, but he is now the actual design in front of your eyes. God dwelling in human. Love, beloved and loving. And carrying love to the absolute end. So he is the design and he is living now the design. So he's the model of what humans are supposed to be. And I say then he becomes a prototype. Well, he's addressing that. Do you realize how shocking that is? This world is self for itself. And when divine love comes to dwell in our humanity, it shocks you speechless. Sure did them. Because he is not only in his own life saying no to the lie, 
that is self for myself ultimately but he is modeling it and telling them this is the way you live i mean it really the biggest thing of all remembering everything everything i've just said you talk about acting like god he said i came to serve uh, well just realize how absolutely off the wall that is i say they didn't know or realize he was god but they certainly saw him as the number one and he said i have not come to be served but to serve that the characteristic of jesus was humility not once does he parade around and say don't you know who i am he serves and of course that came to its grand finale in that he washed their feet which was the thing of the lowest servant in the house and he did it while they were arguing as who is the greatest who's going to get first seat in the kingdom of god um, and he that's love love by its definition serves love by definition is not looking out for self it is seeking to be a benefit to the other that's that's love and um it also meant he forgave and peter got excited one day you know he says i i did it i did it i forgave my brother seven times and jesus said mm -hmm, you know uh, what i'm talking about is forgive you brother 70 times seven um that is without limits you're not going to count it, it's it's you just go into a lifestyle of forgiving and releasing persons you don't you don't become their jailers you, you release them that's love and, and the life of knowing i am loved which means it is without anxiety without fear how many times jesus said don't be anxious for anything your father knows relax or when the storm is ripping the boat apart he says what are you afraid of and he wasn't being snarky he really i mean you've been listening to me talk you should know by now there's nothing no fear we're in father's hands um it's the compassion that he showed toward the sinner and that was where it got a bit hairy when the pharisees the official religion representatives of the god of adam um they said stone her to death that was religion's law and jesus refused to get involved in it and he was and i i do not condemn you i mean can they get through when god became flesh a woman taken in the act of adultery said what's the fuss i don't condemn you go and sin no more um to these tax collectors who were the scum of the earth the most hated betrayers traitors of their own people jesus said i'm coming for dinner let's sit down now chat <coughs> um <coughs> it's something they could not comprehend compassion of jesus sat down with all the wrong people he sat down to forgive to love and he healed the sick and in such days um it was understood that if you are sick there must be sin in your life and so 
the fact he healed the sick was um, a slap in the face to that. So you remember they said to him when they saw the, the man, um, they, they said, who sinned? Well, they, they were going to be right on that one. Who sinned? Did he sin? Or was it his parents? Sin in the family. Ge- genealogy, you know. And Jesus said, nobody sinned. Let's go heal him. Uh, um, maybe that's not shocking to you, thank God. But it was <clears throat> shocking to these people. Um, he kept company with people that holy people didn't keep company with. I mean, dear God, they smoked, they drank, and they disgusted with I, I, I saw a religious fellow on a plane that was traveling, and they brought around the cocktails, you know. Well, that's what they're, I mean, they paid, that's their job. And he says, don't bring those things to me. I'm a Christian. I thought, Phew. I felt like saying, give me five of them. You know, <laughs> I mean, just forget. I know. That's a Pharisee, see, because I'm holy. I don't touch that. I'm holy. I, stop swearing in front of me. I, I'm a holy. Don't, I don't listen to those kind of jokes. I'm holy. Shut up. Love loves. And it will be the impact of love that might indeed shut people up, but it won't be your stupid religiosity. So they were horrified. I'd love to see their faces as they sat down to dinner with tax collectors. All their life they've been taught, you don't go near a tax collector. Little children ran away from tax collectors. Their mothers told them to. Prostitutes, what? What will the neighbors think? We're, we don't, I mean, I mean, B. John, B. James, they're horrified. They don't know what to do with this. Follow him? Is this where we, we followed him? Where he's loving the unlovables and the untouchables. And he did it with no religiosity. He fitted in. But his love and his love for the Father shaped and molded so out of that bunch there came his disciples and came a Mary Magdalene and came these people that they were taught never to walk with these people, never to talk with these people. But here they were. And they didn't get it. They listened and they questioned and they watched him and they went along with him but they never got it. So much so that in the upper room, hours, just hours before the crucifixion, they are arguing as to who is the greatest among us when the kingdom of God comes, who's going to be the prime minister? They don't get it. And that I said before, Jesus, while they're arguing, Jesus kneels down and starts washing their feet because they had seen themselves as so important, not one of them would take the place at the door to wash their feet as they came in, which was the custom. Not one. Because to kneel at that floor says, I'm not the greatest. Jesus says, haven't you heard me yet? We've been talking about this for three years. The greatest among you shall be the servant of all. They didn't get it. (laughs) And in that upper room, it just seemed that everything fell apart. If 
and I'm, I'm very serious at this point, if it had stopped there, where tragically many do stop. But remember, we're still in the Old Testament at this point. But if we had stopped there, you'd have stopped at the upper room where they'd listened to him, they'd heard what he said, they didn't get it. At best, they were trying hard to see it. If they'd stopped there, we would have ended up with a religion something like Christianity, where what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Because he's up there, over there. What would he do? Because that leaves your imagination to think what he might do. We've got to fall over him. Yeah, this is where it ended up. He's there, we're here. He says this, I listen to him, I watch him. I say, how does he do it? Um, I've got to try, got to try. These poor guys tried for three years. And all they could do at the end of it is do what they were doing at the beginning of it. Arguing, arguing. Sounds very much like churches. We've got 12 different denominations out of this. That everybody's split from everybody because I'm the great. I've got it right. How on earth is this not going to descend into the chaos of a religion that is all about Jesus and knows nothing of Jesus? They followed him to the upper room. And this is where it gets interesting. Because it's not nice. He says, one of you will betray me. That was the beginning of our world is collapsing. Then he says, and all of you will run away. And then Peter, big mouth, and I'm better than you, stands up and says, all you will probably reject him, but I will. Jesus then told him, you'll deny me before the night's out. Try and you've heard that, but try and be the disciples, disciples, the follow me's. They followed him right up here. Three years, it's been all over the place, and now they're, they're here. They followed him to the upper room, and now he's saying, I'm leaving. And I mean, I'm so leaving. Where I'm going, you cannot come. That's a big statement. Where I'm going, you can't come. Oh, if that isn't the bottom falling out of your world, we left everything. We left our business. We left our money source because we believed that you were, well, I don't know what we believed, but we believed you were something like Messiah. And now you're leaving just like that. Just like that. You you say you're leaving. And not only leaving, you're not even giving us the option of coming wherever you're going. You say you can't. And then he starts talking. What on earth is he talking about? Please get in their heads. If you don't understand this, they didn't understand it. Understand it. It was incomprehensible. Remember, follow me. That's what they thought. Now they followed him to, where does follow me end? Where does it go? He says, where does it go? It goes to, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. This this is utterly different. He never said anything like this before. I say again, it's incomprehensible. 
and he says, I, I, I'm going, uh, but but hold it before you get upset. I, I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Okay. In my father's house, there's many, many abiding there's room for everybody there and I'm going to get a place for you there so that ultimately where I am there you will be also what's he talking about I'm going away you can't come but I'm going to prepare prepare what abiding places is the Greek word abiding where you can rest there's a lot of resting places in my father's in my father's house where's, where's my father's house give us the address you know Where's your father's house? You don't understand now, but I'm doing this so that where I am, there you may be also. But I'm going away. And let me tell you, oh, this is the fun part. It is infinitely better for you that I go away. Oh, come on. Uh, you, you've broken our world apart, and now you say it's the best thing that ever happened. Because he said, if I go away, and I am, I'm going to send someone else. But that someone else will be exactly like me. It's a very strong word in the Greek, um, another. There's, I, I could say that in this room, I'm a human and there's another human and another human. Um, well, yeah, that's true. But we are not alike. We're, we share humanity, but we're not alike, even though we are alike at one level. Well, that's as far as we can go in English. But in the Greek, there's another, another, another word for another. Um, but the other word means not just you're another human. It means you're my mirror image. It means to see me is to see you. It means we are absolutely in sync together, in harmony. Another exactly like me, but different, but like me. And when that one comes, now that one, he will explain to you what I'm trying to tell you now. He's going to be your teacher. He will be your guide into what to you right now is totally incomprehensible, unknown territory. He's coming. And in that day, I want to say, stop, Jesus. You're overload. It's overload. Well, what do you mean? I'm following you, but that seems to have gone into invisible. But now you're saying that in that new situation, another one will come. Yeah, he'll come. And he will be in you. Oh, come on. You mean it's no longer you there and us here and us listening to you when you talking to us. You're saying the new teacher is going to be inside of us? So follow me is now from the inside. Do I get you right, Jesus? Is, it, is it, That's what you're saying? It's no longer me coming along behind you it is somehow you, but this other one, coming inside and actually teaching me from inside, not outside. So I'm not hearing you with these ears as you talk over here. 
It's come inside, so I'm hearing you from inside me. So that will sound like me, wouldn't it, if it's inside me? Yes, he said. In that day, you will know that that's how I live with the Father. I'm inside the Father, and he's inside of me. But in that day, you'll also know that I'm inside of you, and you're inside of me. And it's all because of this other teacher that's coming. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that means then, if you're inside the Father, the Father's inside of you, now you're inside of me, then that means I am inside of the Father. Talk slowly, Jesus. (laughs) It means you're you're talking about a relationship of such intimacy and such tightness that I can hardly think it. And, And I'm being discipleshipped. I'm going to be following from inside where you will talk to me from inside and you'll guide me from inside, but it will be through this other one. So I'll know the Father just as you know the Father. And the Father will relate to me just like he relates to you because we're all one in one. Yeah, and he says, when the new teacher comes, he's going to tell you all about that. I've got so much I want to tell you now, but you, you're not able to even comprehend what I'm talking about. So when the teacher comes, he's going to really explain this. But now I'm leaving. And where I am going, you cannot come. That is, I really need another hour to talk about that. Because this one who has become human and as human has faced every temptation and darkness and lie that we have ever faced and refused to be Adam, but has refused, rather chosen instead to be one with the Father. But now, now, he's going to do the unthinkable. God became a human. But now he is going to become the whole human race. And the only way I can comprehend that and stop it just being a religious saying is to say he became me. And if every one of us says he became me, you're getting the picture. Please, I've been trying to say this for about five weeks now. God in Christ Jesus became me. He didn't do something for me. He actually became me. So it means that everything I am, as only God knows me, all my brokenness, my craziness, my wrong decisions, my life of despair, my hopelessness, and my missing the mark down to the very bottom of that fact. He lifted the whole lot, me, and he became my identity. 
Only I didn't know that, you see, because he said, I'm going to do this all by myself. I'm sorry, you've just got to watch it and you won't understand what's happening. So you're going to look at me as I've become you at your worst. And that's why I've told people so many times, when you look at the cross, see your face in the face of Jesus. It is a fact that in the real world, it is recorded and done. That every sin, every mistake, every twistedness, every brokenness of your life, every abuse of your life, every grief of your life is lifted out of you and it becomes one with Jesus. So it says he became sin for us. And also elsewhere it says he became the curse or all the brokenness that that brings. He became it. So he became then the object uh, of Satan's fury. Satan now has him like he had us. It's a transfer. Suddenly I'm over here watching and I can't understand what's going on any more as the disciples did. They they're beyond horrified. They're speechless. They're paralyzed. All they could say, we had hoped, and it's all over. Because we see the man going into death and suffering unspeakable grief, sorrow, agony. Yeah, you don't know, do you? That's you. He has become you. And you, it is now recorded, was crucified with Christ. And you now go into death, which say goodbye to you. It's over. It's finished. Say goodbye. Don't try and redo the past. There's no redoing the past. It is put into Jesus and he dies. That's follow me. What? Follow. They followed him into himself. And he became as them. And in that act, the father declared that all the sin he carried was released and gone, absorbed in love. And the death he went into is destroyed by his life, which is greater than death. And he rose from the dead. That's you. Because he became you. So do you understand me when I say that you are as, if I use an evangelical expression, you are as saved as Jesus is. You are as innocent as Jesus. You are guiltless, blameless. And you are seated face to face with the Father as Jesus is. Because he became you, but in so doing you became him. In, in, in. I am in the Father, but I'm in you, and you are in me. So what happens to him happens to you. You you could come back and look at it from a bigger distance and say, if he is the creator, and the creator is the life of all creation, including you, if the creator dies, then you die. Because you're getting your source life from him. 
Does that, does that make sense? He, in him all things consist, everything holds together. He's the creator and the upholder of all things. Well, when he died, he carried the whole creation with him. It's all over, it's finished, done. And I mean done. You died. But if he rose from the dead in that, that means he defeated death. It means he wiped out sin guilt. It means he refashioned you and brings you out. That isn't the one that went in. Jesus came out fully human. Many cults say that Jesus sort of dissolved into gases and it's a sort of spirit. No, he came out and he says, I'm not a ghost. Handle me, touch me. And then Thomas, of course, wasn't there. So he said, put your hands in, into the nail print. Uh, it's me. He said, I'm still the human. I'm the human that has overcome death, the human that has wiped out sin, and the human that now takes you human with me to the Father. Follow me. They didn't realize it. They couldn't grasp it, but they actually followed him onto the cross. And let me say this, he did that without their permission. Ever thought of that? God saved you without your permission. He placed you inside of Christ without asking you. Huh. I can hear the howls of rage from some people. Got to make a decision to accept Jesus. Yeah, I said, okay, but... It, You've got to understand, he already decided. It's okay for you. Uh, yeah, you should join in with that. But he's already accepted you, already included you. What you're doing right now is waking up to that. Yours is the wow. Is this possible? I've got news for you. You died. You're trying to get your life back together. Yeah, no, understand. You died. It's over. And over by an act of God that is beyond our comprehension. And you now are resurrected. So wake up and understand there's a new life that is beyond your comprehension. A new life. Well, the Bible says, eye has never seen it, ear has never heard it, never entered into the heart of man. What love has prepared for you. No, they, he said, you cannot come. This is my work. I'm going to do it as you and for you, and you can't touch it. It's nothing to do with you. When you find out about this, it's all over, all done, it's yours. But right now, you can't come with me. I do this alone. It didn't say, I'm doing a lot. I'm doing a lot, but really, after I've done as much as I can do, it's really up to you, see. I, I, I've, I've done 60% maybe. But if you don't believe, forget it. No, who took him through? He says, I go alone, you cannot come. Then whose faith took him through that? Whose faith brought him to resurrection? It was his faith. He did that. All I can do is lean back in the chair and say thank you. And really, you do know what I'm talking about. Because, okay, I remember when I 
you know, I was over here in the 60s. Flying around wasn't the best thing in the world in those days. And um, I've been through storms and thunders and lightnings and everything else in little tiny planes that no human being should ever be in the air in. And um, I, I remember one of those little planes that flies over Pennsylvania and the Midwest. And, uh, and the guy next to me, as soon as he sat and you could see, his, you know, the pilot comes in. Well, the truth is, I look at that pilot and I trust his faith that he's going to get me to New York City. I don't have a clue. It's beyond me how anybody can get this thing off the ground, let alone get to New York City. But I believe in his faith. He believes he can do it. I believe in his faith. The man next to me was obviously not on that page. And as soon as the engines revved up, he grabbed hold of the seat in front of him. All the way to New York City. And as we landed, he says, we did it. Uh, I guess he thought that his faith was helping the pilot. Um, No, you'd better just trust in the faith of the pilot and lean back. And it's so you know, first responders when when you need a first responder, you'd better trust their faith. They know what they're doing. And they're going to carry you through. The moment you try and insert your faith, you'll blow the whole operation. We, we do know what, when I say it's his faith and we trust in his faith. I mean, carry these silly little illustrations to the nth degree, but that's what I'm talking about. When he died, all our relationship to the false deity, the God of Adam, died. We met the real God. And Jesus took our identity that was false and full of the lies. I'm not who the Adam's God told me I was. Nor when it's dead. I I checked. I I do it regularly. What what other people are saying. I never want to accuse people falsely. I want to make sure they are saying what I say they say. And I was utterly horrified. This was last week. I, I read, I won't say who it was, but somebody who leads evangelicals. And um, he said, the, the whole thing, everything hangs on your faith. Now listen, listen, it gets worse. He, he said, you come to the foot of the cross and you see Jesus on the cross and you've got to believe. You have to have faith to put yourself on the cross. It's all your faith that does it. It's right there. So I'm I'm not making this up. So it means Jesus died, but it doesn't work unless you had the faith. No. Follow me means I follow him right into the cross, into his death, into his resurrection. And I never dreamt follow me went there. But on the other side, the teacher comes, the Holy Spirit. And he says, now let me tell you what happened here. Because it was impossible before he went where you couldn't come. He had to do it alone with his faith and his love. But now let me explain. 
And the Holy Spirit teaches us. That's what he that's who he is. Um and when he ascended, we humans ascended with him, and the Father greets us with joy and with love. And we are greeted with the same love, the same rejoicing as, as Jesus, for we are absolutely one with him. And the whole New Testament discipleship began, which is never again you here and Jesus here, and let's see if we can communicate. No, it is the Holy Spirit in whom I meet with Jesus and the Father. They are here. And the incredible new language is for me, me to live, which is really alive, is Christ. Say that again. For me to live is Christ. So how many of us are there? Two? Because I just said it. You heard me. Me. So me is. But then Christ. But it's a union that is so real. That for me to live is Christ. But I'm not absorbed in him. I don't disappear. It's not that crazy stuff where they say, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. Um, or what was that other song we sang in the 50s? Um, you know, all of him and none of me. Well, what do you mean? You mean you disappear. You, you're not kind of spiritual suicide. Um, how pathetic. It must be terribly boring. You're not there. So if you're not there, how can you enjoy being there? If you, do you understand? If it's just all Jesus, then who's to enjoy him? But for me to live is Christ together. One, but not absorbed. That means I live in the continual wonder of him and he lives in the continual joy of me. Or oh, what about Christ who is our life? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I don't have to try and be like him because him is entwined with me. And he's not only alive, uh, he, he's in me, so he speaks in me. And sometimes it sounds like my own voice, but it's a me that is beyond anything me could ever imagine in terms of what I see and understand and turn into lifestyle and word style. And I realize that I have become in-godded. In fact, more than that, I am, Peter says, you partake. <laughs> you partake of the divine nature. 
You say, well, am I a god? Um, I wouldn't put it like that. Because that sounds very much like the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? You shall be as God. Um, And of course, if you were a god, then somebody would have to worship you. So that didn't work. No, that's the wonder and the mystery that he has placed us in Christ. But more than that, Christ in us. Well, that's God in us. And it says he now has begotten us as sons. And that's not to the exclusion of the, the ladies. That's not, that's not um, a gender. Son is God the Son. The Son. And you are in the Son. Who's the Son? The Son is Son of God. And anyway, the word son to the Hebrew meant same as. And so son means, yes, I'm in God. I'm a son of God. I'm, I'm in the family of the Trinity, but not innately. I'm not a God. That would mean the fourth member of the Trinity. No, there's only three. But I am inside the son, and the son is inside of me. And and it's not a patchwork quilt. He is me, I is him. By grace, 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 grace. It's gift upon gift upon gift upon gift. And therefore, I am. I live divine nature. I live God loves. I am agape. I am. For agape himself lives in me. So yes, I am. And I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. And then Jesus did that. Yeah, he said, the works that I do, you will do also. Uh, just on that. That doesn't mean he's sitting here and saying, well, you've seen what I did. You're going to do the same. That's not what it says. He's talking present tense. It means that when he would heal the sick today, he's going to do it in you and through you. The works that I do... You will do them. We do it together. I remember down at the, what's that, theater in San Antonio? Doesn't matter. Um, Long before I lived here, I came there and had meetings. Yeah, majestic. And um, had meetings there. And at the end of the meetings, we did it in those days. I said, anyone who wants prayer, laying on of hands, just come forward. Well, the entire theater came forward. And um, it was already 10 o'clock at night. And they all sat on the front row, you know, and they were lined up on either side coming in. And I don't know what time it was, but I was, I mean, I was getting tired. And this is very hard to put into words because I can't really say what happened. Enough that I saw Jesus. And it was very real at that moment. And and here's the front row, the theater seats, you know, in the front row. And I'm behind, I'm in the second row laying hands on people. And I suddenly, Jesus was there. And I had put my hands on this person's head. And his hands came on top of mine. And I, it's, it's very difficult. But he laughed, winked at me and said, isn't this fun? 
and a surge of life came into me. But that was it. The works that I do, who, who, who was bringing life to the, who was healing these people? Who, who was, he was, but I was doing it also to the point where he, we did it. That, that's this life. You love? Yeah, you, you love. Yes, you love. Uh, but if you're saying that you love, it, it's, if you said, you know, I, I am agape. Oh, sorry. You're, you're very, very foolish there. But you are. Because he is agape entwined with you to the point you are. With a wink. I wink at him and he winks at me and if you have anything to do with it, I wink at you because you know that I know and he knows that we know. I, I live with a wink. I live, yet not I, it's Christ. And as I live, I'm receiving life from him. As I live, he lives and imparts life to me. And in micro moments, he can whisper to the point where I just think it's my desires is what I want to do and there's no religiosity about it and there's no pressure it's unforced it's God love and it's a mutual indwelling he in me and I in him he became me on the cross and now he has come to dwell in me and I if I dare say the words, have become him by gift, by grace. And that's the Christian life. That's why said, that got us beyond a religion called Christianity. That was when they're arguing in the upper room. We've come into what the New Testament speaks of new covenant, new creation, new life, where Jesus still says, follow me, only it's not him there and me here. It is, he's in the depth of my being, and that's where I follow. He speaks within me. And, and it's not, you know, it's not like a roll of thunder. It's, it's not all that stuff that Adam's God comes up with, you know, where lights around your head and all religious voices and talking in King James English. And, well, that's stupidity. He's so real. He can relax at a party. You know, he can hang out with people that religious you don't talk to those people. Well, he does, so I do, you know. I don't have to apologize for being here or being there or hanging out with this one or that one. And it's amazing how they, those terrible people, they recognize Jesus in me. And I haven't said a word yet. But they feel safe. They do. This is... Of course, other people recognize Jesus in me and do everything in their power to kill me. But then they did that to Jesus too. So that's okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is living his human life today in me. That's discipleship. And I'm going to call That's only half of it. We'll be back next week to finish it. But... Um, just let me say this, in so many churches, when a person makes their decision, 
And I would say they've woken up to who Jesus is. But whatever, when they do that, then the, the church gives them a list of rules. They kill it right there. You know, you've got to read your Bible every day now. Uh-huh. So you've got a textbook. Um, you've got to pray every day about what? I, I don't know. You've got to pray every day. You've always got to come to church when the doors are open. And try and be like Jesus. I'd, I'd do it. No, that'll kill it. You'll be, you'll lose everything in, in the sense of understanding. You'll be confused in chaos. What is this? I came to a living person, and you've given me a textbook. Jesus said to the Pharisees, "You search the scriptures, you memorize the scriptures, but you won't come to me." So that means you can memorize the scriptures and not even know Jesus is. I have memorized the New Testament, so I'm not against it. All I'm saying is, for goodness sake, don't think that means anything. What means something is that the Jesus I discover through the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is the one who dwells within me, and in me, incidentally, is bigger than the body you see. I'm I'm much bigger than that. There's a spirit of Malcolm that is bigger than my body. And Jesus is there. So sometimes I feel him deep within and sometimes he's right in my face. Um, but all within me and I within him equals me. Okay. Now the blessing of this incredible God who is love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, make himself known to us in the face of Jesus Christ. And through the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, and I declare that is the way it is.